Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the bullpen. Yep, in the bullpen today, we have Kenneth Shrupp, contributor, Young Voices. Very, very impressive background. Read up on him when you get a moment. Uh, Kenneth, good day, welcome. Thank you for having me on, sir. Thank you for being here. We're gonna chop it up about the border crisis as it has been termed. Um, I don't wanna presume what you know or believe about that subject. So I will give you an opportunity to express your sentiment and then respond. Wonderful, thank you. So before we really start our discussion, I do wanna lay out some common ground for us to build this conversation on. Um, there are probably as many as 22 million undocumented immigrants in the United States. Studies have shown that most of these people do not decrease wages or jobs for Native Americans and can be a financial net positive for the federal government because as we both know, it's illegal for undocumented immigrants to receive federal benefits. Current rules that merely fine companies for knowingly hiring large numbers of undocumented immigrants while applying criminal penalties to the undocumented workers. These rules aren't fair. Those in management who knowingly participated in this crime should face criminal charges as well. Now, let's look at the current state of affairs. It's completely untenable. The border crisis is the direct effect of the current administration's indirect support for illegal crossings as a means of entering the United States. Our government probably should know who's able to enter this country and this current level of crossings. 1.7 million in fiscal year 2021 is not a positive reflection of our government's ability to carry out its basic functions. If you remember in December of 2020, when President Trump was still in office, there were only 74,000 border encounters noted by CBP. By March of 2021, just two months Two months into the Biden administration, that number had risen to 173,000. Clearly, these changes have resulted from the rhetoric and policies by the Biden administration. You know, that's really interesting because we've seen increases and decreases, sometimes based on partisan politics and sometimes just based on what happened in the foreign country that destabilized the nation even more. So, I agree with your first statements, right? Uh, this is not a job stiller from Americans, as many conservatives will say. Automation is, uh, but not undocumented immigrants. Uh, and also, the criminal aspect of the federal statute says if you hire undocumented workers, you in violation of federal law. But you never see the CEO, the hiring manager, or the HR person getting arrested when they know good damn well they hired a thousand undocumented workers for their company. So I agree with that. Uh, conclusion and those fact bases 100%. But let's talk about the um, what, because many times the American government, Democrats and Republicans, they tend to be very reactionary as it relates to immigration policy. So here's what we do know. I'm glad you cited the number 22 million because there are some who are saying it's 10 million or 11 million. Even your number 22, which I believe you're closer to accurate than they are. You really don't know because right. the nature of the data means it's very difficult to know exactly how many are in the United States of America. But we know this, our brothers and sisters who are undocumented workers give a net positive contribution to the American economy. They are part of the ecosystem of the American economy. They are here, right? So let's look at the why, the what and the why. Over 90% of undocumented workers come here for what? For work. Full work, like that's the catalyst, not to sell dope, not to rape anybody, not do anything, right. right? They just wanna work, right? Now, their economy is still supporting, or at least their country is still supporting their families. So 91% 
of undocumented workers from Mexico in particular, what do they do with the money they make in America? It's largely remittances that the governments receive as tax income, partially as tax income, and it goes back to their families. That's right, goes back to their families. So their families are existing in a country where the economy or the government has been destabilized to a degree and the opportunities are not there. Here's my question to you, and maybe we can have a thoughtful conversation about it. Why do you think the American government has never engaged in a thoughtful program to help stabilize some of these economies so that there's more opportunity available in the home nation that many undocumented workers come from in order to stabilize the influx of massive crossing into the border. And we can't forget that we have a statute that allows for this migration, it's called asylum. And a statute is a contract. You have a written contract that says, here's your opportunity in America. You need to go see a judge. Routinely, we have seen administrations violate the asylum law, which is a contract with others, and send people back, ship them back without the without a judge seeing them, which is a violation of law. A judge has to tell you if this is a proper asylum claim or not. That's how our statute is written. Judges here in America are interpreters of the law. So why do you think we have not tackled it holistically? And why do you think we currently continue to violate the asylum laws in the country? Well, I think selectively we have tackled this holistically. Let's look at the success of Costa Rica. Costa Rica is one of the best economies in Central America. They're becoming a major production center for everything from advanced machines for healthcare to even chips for Intel. This is a country that is politically now politically stable and American investment is pouring into. I think private American enterprise and investments in Central American countries could be a prime way forward for us stabilizing these countries and providing employment for these people so they don't have to come to the United States. Let's, but the problem is cartels that are reaping in billions and billions of dollars each year because we have an immigrate, we, we have holes in our border that allow them to charge $10,000 per individual for every attempted crossing. If we're taking this year's number of 1.7 million and assuming the DHS's rate of capture of 70%, that's probably about 2.4 million crossings, equating to $24 billion that these cartels are using to destabilize these governments all throughout Central America and Mexico. Yeah, <laughs> agreed, we need to go <laughs> okay. after the cartel, right? Right. You get no argument from from me, but that's not the narrative. The narrative in the United States of America by way of political propaganda is that somehow (coughs) individuals who are simply trying to have a better life, make a better life, come here to America based on either the asylum order or sometimes based on a work order. Because the truth is, if the American employer would not hire the undocumented worker, it would dry up immediately anyway, all right? So we can't conflate the cartel with undocumented workers, brother, because no, just, if you work for the cartel, you you are working, you have a job, an illegal job, but you have a job. You're not coming to America to get a job. So why are we conflating both of these issues when we discuss undocumented workers or immigration in the United States? I'm not conflating them. Okay, so they are separate issues for you. Yes. All right, let me remind people of this, I'm glad you said that. Because many on the right, many conservatives do conflate it. You've heard the rhetoric, you've seen people talk about this, you know, for years. But, Um, oh, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I was going to say that 
the cartel does use people who smuggle in drugs um, to commit human trafficking. This yeah. this is like the, the people that they traffic who are victims yeah. are, are used for nefarious ends by the cartels. Yeah, 92% of dope dealers in America are Americans. Right. Yeah, all right, so I just wanna make sure you knew that stat. Um, let me go down a list, comparatively speaking, of undocumented immigrants and US citizens. Um, US citizens are twice as likely to be arrested for violent felonies. Um, two and a half times more likely to be arrested for felony drug crimes. Over four times more likely to be arrested for felony property crimes. Uh, this is according to um, a published study, peer reviewed study by the University of Wisconsin-Madison. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the notion that somehow we have a problem because of the cartel. Well, the cartel is a separate issue than your undocumented worker issue. And listen, it can't be a problem. Undocumented workers cannot really be a problem when you have already admitted on this show, they are net positive for the economy of America. Where's the problem? They are a minority in, in, the, in the sense of committing crimes. Americans commit way more crimes than they do. They do. And the number one violators of overstate visas in America, do you know who they are? Canadians. Canadians, number one violators. Now, here's what's interesting. If brown people or black people were the number one violators of that immigration law, we would be talking about it. It would be national news. People would have an issue with it, right? But nobody has an issue with Canadians being the number one violators of that immigration law. There's a significant difference between people who have come in with visas who we've had to approve, right? than people who come in who have escaped detection by our border services. Um, as you know, there's a 70% capture rate by DHS. So if 1.7 million people were apprehended last year for fiscal year 2021, that means about 700,000 were able to enter without being caught. And we have no idea who these people are. They're not, they're not people who have gone through any kind of vetting process like these Canadians have. Do you think it's ironic that when we talk about immigration policy, we start to be very selective about who is allowed to break the law and who we want to enforce laws that don't exist on. We literally break our own laws as it relates to asylum claims in this country. You do not find that problematic that we are in violation of our own laws and we choose to not enforce the written laws on Canadians, but will violate our own laws against brown folks. I think we should consistently apply the law equally to all people. We have the 14th Amendment that requires that. Yeah, what do you think the solution is? I, I think that to what, to the border crisis? To, what you to, the, to the crisis in, in whole, like I, I don't consider it a crisis when you have so many net positives. Uh, but you, you all utilize the terminology border crisis or immigration uh, crisis. Or illegal aliens. I don't think anybody's illegal. People are people. But what do you think the solution is? You know, people have presented a wall as a solution, etc. What's the solution to you? I think the solution for people coming into the southern border is likely to promote American investment in Central American and South American countries to ensure that there's an industrial base and jobs there that can support the local economy. We also should secure our border to ensure that the cartels cannot receive $24 billion a year or more to smuggle people and drugs into our country so that the Mexican Central American governments are not destabilized. Uh, I additionally think that we need to look at and 
and understand what the labor needs of our economy are. We, sh we have, when the United States was an agrarian country, we needed as many people to come in and farm as possible to increase our GDP. Today, we're looking more towards a skilled economy with, with skilled sectors. And we should probably have an immigration system that reflects the need for skilled labor. Brother, I actually agree with you on about 70% of that. We do need to stabilize other nations to make sure the opportunities are available there. <laughs> Uh, similar as they are available here. I agree with you, I think that should be a holistic strategy, a bipartisan strategy, everybody should jump on that. Um, also, when you look at the drug cartel, um, Americans that represent five to 6% of the global population, they consume over 70% of all illegal dope by the it's cartel. Terrible. It's terrible. It's horrible, right? So you have this, this very strong consumer base. My point to you is this, uh, you won't dry up the drug trade with the culture we have in America, the culture is no. what it is. Right, so they will find opportunities, and 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 I think it's, I think it's naive to think that multi-billion-dollar cartels, which are multi-billion-dollars illegal, multi-billion-dollar illegal companies, uh, that they depend on individuals on foot crossing over a border. They don't. They depend on boats, trains, and planes. Right. They, uh, they just smuggle in drugs. drugs. That's right. That's what they utilize to do so. Um, so once again, I don't. And you said it already on the show. You don't conflate it, I don't conflate it. It's a different conversation than the conversation of undocumented individuals. You and I actually agree that it has to be tackled from the sense of having a policy to stabilize other regions so that you don't have the same influx. And what about those who are currently in America? You cited 22 million, there are other studies that cite 11. The truth is everybody's lying because nobody really knows how many. What would you have as a policy for those who are undocumented right now in America? I, I probably think discussions of amnesty shouldn't include citizenship, uh, something more like the ability to reside here. If you pay a whole number of back taxes, if you haven't committed any crimes, you go through a probation period after applying where you have to be employed and you don't receive federal benefits, then yeah, maybe you can get a green card to stay here. But that's only that kind of discussion can only be had after we are able to know who is entering our country. Security, securing the border has to come first. Any discussion of what amnesty looks like should come later. Well, securing the border means to stabilize other regions. I'm with you on that. Well, I, don't I don't think we should be cash. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Well, I don't believe a wall can solve your border crisis. There's, there's not a wall built that another man cannot climb over or tunnel under. There's not a wall that exists. Uh, where that won't be a possibility, right? So you have to be more thoughtful about what you mean by border security. Okay. Yeah, um, so you're a practical guy, man. You you seem to have some uh, practical insight to some of these things. And, and like I said, I, I don't disagree with everything you're saying. Um, 22 million, let's go with that number for the sake of this conversation. Sure. You are practical enough to know you don't have the manpower to deport or even try to find 22 million people in America, right? Right. Okay, so you have to bring them to some legal status, even if it's a worker status. You have to bring them to some legal status, and here's what that does for you. It does a few things, number one, it allows you to have that vetting process that so many on the right claim does not exist. So now you have individuals who are part of a process that says, okay, now we know what we're working with, number two, you then force employers to stop taking advantage 
of the undocumented workers by paying them $4.25 an hour. Now they become more competitive with their wages in the marketplace. They're skilled laborers, so you're always gonna need skilled labor. But these corporations are taking advantage, major advantage of undocumented workers by paying them pennies. So you do that, you increase your tax base, you increase your revenue base. I think everything rises, but you have to have the discussion of bringing undocumented individuals in America to some legal status in order for the process to continue to move forward. Right, but you can't really do that without inviting disaster and a huge surge in people trying to illegally cross the border, right? We we need the only way that we can actually move forward with bringing these people to some kind of legal status is if we have a firm policy of not letting people in. Who merely show up at the southern border if they don't have an existing visa? But what's your okay? So we're back to the border thing again. Do you think right. a wall stops people? Stops some people. Okay, so what else? What what else? Mm-hmm. Um, something like e-verify would be pretty useful, where uh, the 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 legality of a worker's resident status would be one small simple check that's done when an employee is trying to apply for work at a company. Yeah, but they don't want to do that. You know, five states have 60% of undocumented workers according to recent data. These five states heavily depend on undocumented workers for the agriculture industry, right? Easily, the federal government could have passed a law that basically said, hey, if you, or they could have enforced the law, not even passed, the law's already there. If you hire undocumented labor, uh, we are going to hold you accountable to the same federal law, but they yeah. don't do that, right? Oh. So, so, so once again, it's not practical if you know neither side will do that. That would dry up a lot of the undocumented travel to the United States because they're coming here for work. They go to other countries for work as well. But if you do a few things, follow me on this, brother, and tell me if you agree with what I'm saying. You have a massive and strategic plan to ensure that you economically stabilize the labor markets in the home country, number one. Number two, you have an open system, a transparent system between governments so that there's a level of communication. So that you can understand where the weak spots are, where the opportunities are for vulnerability or exploitation. Because you do need to catch those who are trafficking drugs and trafficking children. I agree with you on that. Do you think the United States has ever been successful in stabilizing a country with just with cash? Like, do we know who we're supporting? How successful are we? Let me tell you, brother. That's why we need progressives. Yeah, Afghanistan was a complete nightmare. That's why we need progressives in charge. Let me tell you what you all have never done. You all have always had old white men in charge, Democrats and Republicans. We've had corporate Democrats in charge, Barack Obama. We've had this. Progressives. I think it's time for progressives to have a shot at what it looks like from a heart perspective and a policy perspective combined. Because whatever disagreement you may have with progressives, you can't disagree that these are not more authentic politicians than others. The sad thing about progressives is that they fail to recognize human nature. In theory, in a world without people who commit crimes, People who aren't envious, people who aren't lustful, people who people who won't steal. Progressive policies might have a chance of working, but the world is a dark place. Yeah, I, I gotta disagree with you on that, brother. Uh, progressive policies is why I'm here today. 
because of progressive policies that were passed in my state by way of the federal government. I could go to college. Um, I had a first offender when I was 17 years of age. I'm felony free today. Um, I am a college professor. So policies do work, progressive policies do work. And let me remind you that Dr. King during his time was a progressive, so progressive they called him a radical. And this radical said that we can live in a different kind of society. But guess what, even though the dream has not been fully realized, he was right. People told him the same thing, you're living in a fantasy world. A black child will never go to school with a white child. It would never happen in this country. A black elected official would never be able to be a US senator or governor, etc. It has happened in this country. A black president is not a reality, it has happened in this country. So I pushed back because progressives, everything that you enjoy right now, from your healthcare policy to your minimum wage, It all came because of a progressive who submitted the idea. Kenneth, it has been a pleasure, brother. I want to bring you back on the show, man. Uh, Tell people how they can follow you. Thank you. Please follow me at Kenneth Shrupp on Twitter, or you can look up the California Review. All right. Thank you, Kenneth. Thank you very much. Absolutely.